Hey, thanks so much for choosing the Haven House of Revival Sermon of the Week. We pray that this sermon impacts your heart and it inspires you to change your life and the world around you for God. Please enjoy the message. Good morning. I don't know if you've been downstairs, but that's where I want to be. Chantelle and her team, I don't know, you need to go down after. Like the whole basement is decorated for Easter for the kids. So they are such a blessing. So if you see them after service, uh, Chantel, Susie, I think Sonia helped, her, Chantel's kids. Can you say thank you? Because there's balloons everywhere down there, streamers. Like they've just went all out for our kids. And they don't have to do that. They want to do that. So that's awesome. I just want to say happy Resurrection Sunday. So good. I, I was reminded this morning as I was driving in, for those of you who don't know, about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, Jeff suffered a stroke. By the way, I'm Wendy. I'm Jeff's wife. And uh, we help lead here at Haven. Um, but about more than a year ago, in February, Jeff suffered a stroke. And he was in the hospital for a month. And all that time, I was, you know, obviously praying for him and um, anointing him with oil and, you know, just believing God for complete healing. And I just felt in my spirit that something was going to happen on Resurrection Day. And I was like, awesome. I didn't, you know, understand exactly what that meant. And then, as most of you know, Jeff signed himself out early, came home, not even being able to walk very well, in using a walker, bumping into walls, and I was freaking out. He tells the story, and yes, I was. I was like crying my eyes out. How am I going to do this? He can't even walk. But anyway, he came home on the Thursday. And Saturday, well, it's early Sunday morning, Jesus showed up in his room and healed him. So where he couldn't walk, he could walk. And I mean, he was like running around the, the, the top floor of our house, and I'm behind him like, sit down, you're going to fall, you know. But, and then Jesus reminded me, because I, I, then I thought of, yeah, you, I thought you said Resurrection Day, and I was thinking Easter, which was just a few weeks after. But the Lord said to me, Resurrection Sunday is every day. Resurrection Sunday doesn't just happen in April on a Sunday that the calendar says it happens. Resurrection Sunday is every day of our lives. And that should cause you to celebrate. So I just wanted to remind you that today because the Lord reminded me of that as I was driving in. But today I was like, okay, I've been going through a series. If, you've know, if you know about the Trinity, we talked about the Father. We talked about Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk about the Son, Jesus. And being Resurrection Sunday, I thought for sure that as I was thinking and praying about Jesus uh, was going to say, I want you to talk to them about my resurrection and life and, and you know, being alive and celebrate. And, and that's all a part of it. But I really felt him saying, I want you to talk about my blood. I really want you to talk about my blood. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to talk about the blood of Jesus. When I, um, many of you probably don't know that before I met Jeff, I knew 
his uncle and aunt because they passed through the church where I went to in Ontario. Um, his, his cousin was my sister's best friend. That's how we met. And I also knew Jeff's grandma and grandpa, Martin, Edwin and Alice, because they went to the church where I grew up in. And they were the sweetest people. Well, Alice was his grandma. Like if you think of a grandma and your picture of a grandma in your mind of this sweet old lady who can cook so well, who bakes, who loves everyone, that you just love hugging her because she just has so much to hug, right? That was his grandma. That was Alice. She was a wonderful woman. Edwin, his grandpa, he was a little different. And growing up, I didn't understand him really. And Jeff t often tells stories about how his grandpa and grandma both came to know the Lord, were filled with Holy Spirit, and kicked out of their Mennonite community. So they were excommunicated. And um, his grandfather walked in the power of Holy Spirit. And um, Jeff tells stories where he would pray for people in Walmart to and see people healed. He prayed for a lady in a bus stop. And she fell out under the power of God, and he just left her, and she missed her bus. You know, these stories of where he went up north with a bookmobile and ministered to the natives up there. But Jeff's grandpa, and I didn't understand at the time, would always talk about two main things, coffee and the blood. So coffee was a, a no-no to Jeff's grandfather. He really felt it was not something you should drink. And when people would come to him and ask for healing, he'd say, go, stop drinking coffee, and then come back, and, and I'll pray for you. Like, it, he was just had that such a revelation in him. And I don't know whether he was right or wrong, and I'm not here to judge that. That's just what I remember of him, okay? I'm, I'm going back with my memories. The, the next thing he would always talk about was the blood, the blood of Jesus. Like, he had such a revelation of the blood, and I thought he was weird. Like, I, I thought his grandfather, I, lo I loved him. He was a great man, but he was really weird. And Jeff would tell stories of every Christmas. And I meant to count. Oh, we were going to count, but we didn't. Every Christmas, Jeff remembers that when the family came together, every grandchild would come and kneel before Grandpa Martin, and he would place his hands on their head, and he would shake them back and forth, this is Jeff's memory, and plead the blood of Jesus over every grandchild. Now, that seems weird, doesn't it? And it, and it was weird to Jeff, because he just remembers, like, you know, Grandpa. But I will tell you today, now, we didn't count the great-grandchildren, but there are 19 grandchildren, and I wanted to to count the great-grandchildren, but I didn't get to. But every one of them have a relationship with the Lord. Now, you may say, oh, that's just coincidence. And I'm here to say, no, it's not. It's the blood of Jesus and the legacy and, and the foundation and pleading the blood of Jesus and applying it over every child and grandchild that it's going to spill over from generations to come. Haven, one of the things we say is this is a house of generational blessing. We need to get over the fact that I'm here just for me, because you're not. You're here for the generations that are coming after you. 
And it is up to us to lay the foundation and the blessing now so that our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren go farther and higher than us. And Jeff sees that in his family, and we get to be, and my kids get to be a part of that legacy. And it's awesome. Now when I look back, I'm so thankful. Back then, I thought he was totally weird. But today, I am so thankful for the legacy that we get to carry in our family and that he placed over the Martin family. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. You see, the blood of Jesus is usually something that we do think about and talk about once a month. Right? And, but it should be more. The blood of Jesus is only talked about a lot of times on Communion Sunday, and we're going to take communion today. But it needs to be more than that. See, in Scripture, you see the theme of the blood woven throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. But unfortunately, much of the church has relegated the blood of Jesus to Communion Sunday. Throughout Scripture, we see that the blood was always necessary for everything. From the beginning of Scripture to the end, there's a, there's a beautiful red thread that flows, right? Uniting beginning to the end and restoring everything that Satan had stolen and destroyed, and that's the blood of Jesus. I don't know if you've heard of Andrew Murray, but he's a South African revivalist, and he wrote many books, but one of the books he wrote was The Power of the Blood of Jesus. And actually, in that first edition that he wrote, Jeff's grandpa wrote the foreword to that. I, I downloaded the book, but they've come up with other editions, and so it's not in there. I need to find an original copy, and maybe we have one somewhere in a box. But I found some quotes, because Andrew Murray had such a revelation of the blood of Jesus. And so I want to read you a few things that, that the Lord revealed to him concerning the blood. He writes, It is impossible for us to think too highly or expect too much from the power of Jesus' blood. I want you to think through that. I'm going to read it again. It is impossible, absolutely impossible for us to think too highly or expect too much from the power of Jesus' blood. Always forget. Skip my Faith in the blood produces great results. And finally, of all the glorious things that the blood means, this is the one of the most glorious. This is one of the most glorious. His blood is the sign, the measure, yes, the impartation of his love. See, the blood of Jesus is the greatest expression of God's love towards you and towards me. The blood covers every need that you have had, have, or will ever have. It's the blood. And so I'm just going to pray as I go on that, the, that um, Jesus today and Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our heart to have a new revelation of the blood of Jesus and what it means to your lives, but not just to you, 
Let's think past ourselves today. What does the blood of Jesus mean for my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandchildren, and for generations to come? Amen? Let's pray. I thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you so much that you went willingly to the cross for each one of us. And it's not something you had to do. It's something you wanted to do. And so I thank you so much for that. And that all we need to do now is receive. <laughs> we don't have to work. We don't have to earn it. It's a free gift. And so I thank you for that. And I pray today as we talk about the significance, the importance, the power of your blood, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, open our, the eyes of our understanding, that we would have a deeper revelation of what your blood means to me, and to my family, and to the generations who are coming after us. And that we would leave here today with such truth and a burning in our hearts to begin to apply the blood of Jesus to every area of our life, not just one, once a month, but every single day. And I thank you in your precious name. Amen. So we're going to look at five things that I want to highlight that you and I receive because of the blood of Jesus. So number one, we receive redemption through the blood. Amen. Let's look at Ephesians. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. See, way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve believed the lie that they had no authority. And so they gave it away. And because of that disobedience, because of Adam's disobedience, death was passed to all men. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. But God. I'm going to say that again, because I'm going to tell you right now, when Satan hears those two words, he begins to tremble. I don't know if it meant much to you, but he hears those two words and he begins to tremble because he knows the implications of what those words mean. But God. Say it with me. But God. See, God had a plan, and that plan was redemption, and that, that redemption was only going to come through the shedding of blood. And so we see through all the Old Testament, right, from the... Um, the plan of redemption unfolding right from the beginning, from Abel's sacrifice to Abraham's obedience in being willing to sacrifice his son Isaac, through Moses and the establishment of the temple and all the different parts of the temple. And all those parts of the temple were sprinkled with blood continuously. And then there were the inner courts where once a year the high priest would go in and make a sacrifice and shed blood for the sins of an entire nation. 
But these were all shadows of what was really to come. See, we read in Hebrews 10, 3 to 4, but in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So those sacrifices they did in the Old Testament, it just reminded them over and over again of the sin. And it could never really take away their sins. But God... God is holy and infinite, and he required a holy and infinite sacrifice. And so the Father's plan was established before the foundation of the world, that his son, Jesus, would be sacrificed once and for all. And when we, we think about Good Friday and, and on that cross, when Jesus says the words, it is finished. That means once and for all, the debt was paid. No more would we have to sacrifice or shed blood for our sins. Death was defeated once and for all. This redemption plan that God had was for all people for all eternity. It's for you and it's for me. And all we need to do is repent and receive. Isn't that beautiful? All we need to do is repent and receive the gift. See, we were once all slaves. We were all slaves to death. And we had no way to pay that debt. We would have never been able to pay the debt that we owed. But God, the blood of Jesus, paid that debt, that price, so that you could move from slavery to freedom. Your debt has been paid. I mean, what if all your debt was paid? <laughs> How would that feel? Your debt of slavery has been paid. You are free. You are free. You don't have to pay the debt. The blood of Jesus paid it for you. And this is a free gift. Isaiah 1.18 says that when we receive this gift, we are washed clean. John, 1 John 1.7 tells us that when we walk in the light, which is in fellowship with Jesus because he is the light, we will know when we come out of the light. You know when you're in, when you're in relationship with someone and something's not right? You know. And we'll know when something's not right with our relationship with Jesus. And all we need to do is turn, repent, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. It's a washing that removes all our sin, all our guilt, all our shame, all our remorse. How many can say, thank you, Jesus, for your redemption? Like, I could sit down then. I could sit down right now. That's huge. I don't know if that's, if, that, if you have that revelation. I'm praying that you get the revelation that you no longer have to earn your way. It's been done. Number two, there's healing in the blood of Jesus. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. I love this, what Kenneth Copeland wrote. He wrote, he bore spiritual torment for our sins, mental distress for our worry, care, sorrow, and fear, as well as physical pain for our sickness and disease. The stripes he bore and the blood he shed were for our healing. 1 Peter 2.4 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. It's done. It's done. And I read this as I was studying, and it was like, whoa, this little line, it said, you were healed by his stripes, not your faith. That's what it says. It doesn't say by his wounds and your faith you're going to be healed. It says by his wounds. Some of us beat ourselves up because we say we don't have enough faith to be healed. God can move in spite of your faith. It's his wounds and his stripes that he bore for your healing. In the New Testament, we see um, one word in, that's common throughout the whole New Testament, and that word is sozo. And one of the m- meanings of sozo is save, to save. And yes, that is our healing as well, right? Salvation. We are saved. We are healed from death. But that word means so much more. And Whenever you see in the New Testament Jesus saved someone, he healed them, he delivered them from torment, that word is sozo. And this is what he did and his blood does for us. He sozos us. He sozos you and he sozos me. What happened this morning as Sarah was praying, I believe that there, was, there were those here who were touched mentally, emotionally, physically. By his stripes, you were healed. Number three. There's protection through the blood. Exodus 12, 13 says, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, this was a new t- in, the new t- in the Old Testament, sorry, when the Israelites were in Egypt in captivity. And God was wanting Pharaoh to release his children, so he kept sending them plague after plague after plague. Nine plagues he sent, and Pharaoh refused. And so God says, that's it. I'm sending my final plague, and it's the plague of judgment. Now, you need to understand something. Israel had disobeyed God, and they had every right to come under judgment as the Egyptians did just like you and I. We have sinned and we have done wrong and we have every right to come under judgment. But God, say it, but God. God had a plan for his children. 
And he said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to um, kill a spotless lamb, and you're going to take its blood, and you're going to place it, apply it to the doorposts of your home. And when I send this angel of judgment over Egypt, wherever the blood has been applied, you will escape judgment. And so that's what happened. Well, some of you may say, well, that's Old Testament, and that's a great story. But it's more than a story. You see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did then, he does today. And when you and I take that blood of Jesus and we apply it to the homes of our lives, when we apply it over our children, we, when we apply it over our businesses, when we apply it to our physical doorways in our home, there is protection. The Lord promises that he will protect. Some of you are thinking, I've got to go home today and anoint my, my doors with oil and apply the blood of Jesus to my home. Yeah, you do. And I would encourage you to do so. I do that every, like I apply the blood of Jesus to my kids. Taylor lives in Edmonton, so I'm not around, you know, where she's going, what she's doing. I've got to just, I, I plead the blood of Jesus over her and just trust that God is going to protect her wherever she's going and whatever she's doing. Our homes, our businesses, this church, we apply the blood of Jesus. Number four, we have authority over Satan through the blood. Revelations 12, 11 says this, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. One of the names of Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he stands in front of the throne, and he is accusing you day and night. He is bringing every wrong charge before the throne of God against you and your family, day and night and day and night. Unfortunately, for many of us, we come under those accusations for ma in many instances and I know we've all done it, and I'm not, I've done it too, right? Where that shame, that guilt, that constant reminder of what you've done and who you are and you don't deserve and you're no good and constantly coming against your mind, the accuser of the brethren. But God. Say it, but God. I oh, there you go. My Oh, I'm sorry. I won't hold the antenna. Thanks, Chris. Um, we have the authority in the blood of Jesus to come against the accuser of the brethren. We are able to overcome his accusations. See, the blood is our defense. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. I need to tell somebody that today. That came to me as I was studying. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word over you. You have been spoken over a lot by other people of who you are, that you would never amount to anything. But I'm here to tell you that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over you. He speaks that you are able. You are an overcomer. You are worthy. 
You are good. You are beautiful. You are strong. You are courageous. Through the blood of Jesus, we are declared not guilty and righteous. Because the enemy is constantly calling us guilty. The blood paid our debt. We don't owe anything. The blood stands between us and the accuser. And so I'm here to remind you today that some of you feel like you're constantly being come at by the enemy. And he is. He's accusing you constantly. And it's really more simple than you think. All you need to say is through the blood of Jesus... You no longer have any right to accuse me. You no longer have any right to condemn me. You don't have any right to stand before God and, and, and tell him my wrongs. The blood of Jesus has declared me righteous, and I cut off your legal access to my life right now by the blood of Jesus. That's it. You don't have to do a big powwow, and some of you may need to shout it, but you don't even need to shout it. It's just speaking the truth. Some of your families have been tormented for a long time. You see your children being tormented, whether it's by nightmares, night terrors, those things, right? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. You don't need to listen to that anymore. The torment, some of you are under mental torment, the blood of Jesus. Begin to use the blood of Jesus. It wasn't just a one-day thing, right? Oh, we did it on Good Friday. That's great. Now let's move on. No, he shed his blood for more than that. Every day, every day, every day. And number five. We have fellowship with God because of the blood. I'm going to invite Chris up. I'm going to invite, oh, I don't know if the ushers, are you ready with communion to pass it out? Let's do that right now. I want to make this a part of my, my last point. So they're just going to pass out the, the communion emblems. and I want to give some of you an actual, a real revelation today that you can do communion every day. It doesn't need to be a pastor standing up here leading you through communion. In fact, I would encourage you to take communion by yourself, with your family. If there are things going on in your life, if there are issues. If I remember when Jeff was in the hospital, I would go in, and some days he was able to take the communion, and some days he wasn't. But I would take communion every day, and we would take it together when he was able to, and just thank God for his blood and his body, which was bringing healing and life to Jeff's body and his brain. And some of you need to go home and begin to be taking communion because you're going through a, a difficulty right now. And I believe that through remembering and taking communion, that things will be broken because that's what the blood of Jesus does. And that's why it was shed. And that's why his body was pierced. So, the fellowship with God through the blood. If we look at Hebrews 10, 19, it says, And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus, and he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. I read it out of the Passion. I know that was English Standard Version up there, but... 
because of the blood of Jesus, we are now able to come boldly into the presence of God. You see, in the Old Testament, it was just the high priest who could come into his presence. And Moses. Moses was the other guy who spoke to God face to face. But all the rest could not come near. But the blood of Jesus has now made the way for us to come into the presence of God. See, when Jesus walked on the earth, <coughs> he began to introduce the disciples to what true fellowship with God looked like. And the truth that you and I could walk in that fellowship with him. It wasn't just for the Son. It was for us to walk in that fellowship with God. And the blood of Jesus has made that possible. And now through the Holy Spirit, we can have fellowship and communion with God. You see, the blood of Jesus had to be poured out before the Holy Spirit was poured out. And now that the blood has been poured out, Holy Spirit has come. And he lives inside each one of us. And because of that, we can commune and fellowship with God. 1 Corinthians 10.16 says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? When we look at that word participation, it's the word koinonia. And fellowship, which means fellowship. And that's more than just like going out for coffee with a friend. See, we're to have more than just an acquaintance, acquaintance type of relationship with God. We're actually to fellowship. We're actually to share with God, with the Father, with the Son, with Holy Spirit. And that's made possible through the blood of Jesus. The word koinonia includes the definition of intimacy. We are to walk closely with him. See, when we partake in communion, these aren't just like a drink and bread and oh, there we go. We're actually sharing in the suffering of Christ so that we may share in his resurrection. 2 Peter 1.4 tells us that we are partakers of Jesus' divine nature. And that word partakers is koinonia. We get to share in the divine nature of God. That doesn't mean we become God. We are not gods. But we get to share in his nature. Jesus became like us that we may become like him. He took the nature of man so that we may take the nature of God and have fellowship with the Father through the blood of Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to read Romans 6, 5 to 9 here and then we're going to take communion together. Romans 6, 5 to 9 says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him, and he no longer has dominion over you. See, part of it is that we're going to share in the sufferings of, of Jesus. I don't want to suffer. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> but it's in that. We need to remember sometimes that in our suffering, we're actually sharing with Jesus. We are fellowshipping with him in our sufferings. He went through a lot, and we go through a lot, but he's with us. He's right beside us. He's sharing it in, sharing our sufferings with us. You're not alone. He's right there with you. And you have something in common. With Jesus, he suffered. You will suffer. Whatever that looks like. But today we're going to look at, uh, take communion and remember that he was crucified and so were we. See, we've crucified our old man. Our old man has been crucified with Christ, right? Galatians 3.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I live, I now live by faith in the Son of Jesus. Part of it is that we've got to crucify ourselves, right? Deny yourselves, crucify your flesh, follow me. These are the teachings of Jesus. Crucifying that old man. Not easy. But he asks us to do it. Why? So that our new man can be resurrected to life. And so let's take this bread. And I love what 1 Corinthians 10, 16 says. It's, it's um, the bread that we break. Sorry, I, it's a blessing. And I'm going to go in that in the, in the cup. Sorry, that's about the cup. But the bread of Jesus, as we break it, it's a participation in the body of Christ. It's much more than just a thin wafer that doesn't taste very good. It's actually the body of Christ. Let's take it together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body that was pierced that was whipped, that was spat on, that was pushed. The beard was torn, the hair was torn out of your beard. The crown of thorns was pressed into your skull. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. And today we participate and we fellowship with you in those sufferings. Thank you that we're not alone in our sufferings. Thank you that those of us who are going through difficult seasons are not alone, that you are with us, that you are walking with us. Thank you. 
and then the cup. Now I wanted to read this, the uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 says, the cup of blessing that we bless. This is called the cup of blessing. There is blessing in the blood of Jesus that you and I get to receive. It's a blessing. We just learned about some of them. We have redemption. We have healing. We have protection. We have authority. We have fellowship. What a blessing. What a blessing the blood of Jesus shed for us, gives to each one of us. And it's up for you and I to receive it today. I don't know what you need from the blood today. What are you asking him for? What do you need to receive? Apply the blood of Jesus to that area right now. Is it strained relationship? Is it prodigal children? Is it a health issue in your body? Is it fear? Is it torment? Is it lack? You know, in the area of finances. Is it just you needing to know that you belong? And if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a child. You do belong. Do you need a healing from an orphan spirit, feeling like you're still far away, but because of the blood of Jesus, you have been brought near? What a blessing. What a blessing. Let's take that this morning. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Just thank him. Thank you that through your blood you have paid my debts. Thank you that through your blood I have healing. Thank you that through your blood I have protection. Thank you that through your blood I have authority. Thank you that through your blood I can come near to you and have a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. Chris, do you want to lead us in that course, that Alleluia?